Well, it is so good to have you in church with us today. So glad that you're here. Uh, hey, I want to mention that it is August, which means it's back to school season. And so many of our kids are either already back to school or getting ready to go back to school. But of course, in the midst of the season that we're in with COVID, school is looking very different for a lot of you families out there right now. And so uh, this time of the year, we usually would do a big back to school service and pray over our kids and pray over our teachers uh, as they enter into a new school year. Uh, we can't do that in a regular way. So here's what we're going to do. Next Sunday, we're doing a back-to-school service. We're going to pray over our kids. We're going to pray over our teachers. But what we'd like for you to do is to email us a photo of your kids, uh, either a, a first day of school photo or a picture of them in the workspace that you've created for them to do distance education this year. And then email that to us at kids at thriveglendora.org kids at thriveglendora.org and we're going to put together a slideshow for next Sunday and we're going to just showcase and show off all as many of our kids as possible whether elementary or junior high or high school even if you're heading into college if you want to send us a picture feel free to do that we would love the opportunity to pray for you if you're a teacher if you're an ed educator feel free to to shoot us an email as well and let us know uh, where you're teaching what grade you teach we'd love to be praying for you as well. And so then we'll take time next Sunday to pray over our kids and bless them as they move into this next school year. So make sure to do that this week. Take that picture, kids at thriveglendor.org, and we'll just have a fun time enjoying those pictures, that slideshow next week. Well, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to a couple of places. Uh, we're going to be in Ezekiel 34 and Luke 19. Ezekiel 34 and Luke 19. Uh, both of these passages come out of our reading, our Lectio Divina journal reading uh, for this past week. And, uh, and if you've not hap had an opportunity to engage with that, I invite you to do that. The, the Lectio Divina journal is available on our website at thrivelandor.org, and you can download the PDF and follow along with the reading plan. And, and we're, we're in a, th a theme this year of God is, asking the question, who is God? And it's been not just our journal reading theme, but our sermon series theme throughout this year. And the season that we're in in this third quarter of the year is really looking to, 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 to ask the question, how can we learn to serve like Jesus? How can we learn to serve like Jesus? And so uh, I, in my reading this last week, in, in, in reading the passages in the Lectio, found myself doing this, and I had to slow down a little bit, and so I even find myself right now, I'm talking kind of fast, so I'm going to slow down a little bit, because I want us to really capture something today. I prepared the message thinking it would go a certain direction, and really sensed the Spirit of God saying, no, I want to say something different today, and so I had to kind of readjust, but here's what I found. So often when I come to the Word of God, what I try to do is jump to the application, what does this mean for me? How do I put this in pra into practice? What's God expecting of me from this passage? Now, we understand this. God says that we're to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So application is absolutely critical. It's super important that we do the things that God calls us to do, but never in a way that we sacrifice actually hearing and understanding and owning and receiving what God will want to say to us first. 
And so I found myself just for, for in my own reading going, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And I heard God just say, I want you to stop and I want you to listen and I want you to receive and I want you to hear my heart for you. And as I heard that, I felt like, God, you, you're saying something not just for me, but you're speaking something to our church, to our congregation. And so if you're listening to or watching this message today, I want to encourage you right now, slow down. Whatever's going on around you, maybe there's some distractions. Would you set those aside? And would you hear what God would want to speak to you today? That he would, what he would want to deposit in your life. We want to capture God's heart towards us. And that's really the theme today. In fact, uh, if there were a title for today's message, it would be this. God is relentlessly pursuing you. That God is relentlessly pursuing you. I want to pray as we jump in today. So Father, we ask today. I ask that you would cause us to hear your heart, to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, the things that you would want to communicate and impress on us, Lord, that we wouldn't miss it. Lord, that we wouldn't just jump to the application, but Lord, that our hearts would be ready to receive the encouragement and the nourishment that you would want to bring to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So God is relentlessly pursuing you. This is a theme that we see throughout scripture, that God would extend himself in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that he would reach out to his people, that he would engage with these people, that he would seek them out, that he would bring salvation, that he would rescue, that he would be their salvation. And of course, that is culminated in the person of Jesus Christ, who came to earth to seek and save that which was lost. And we'll read a little bit about that today. But that's God's heart for us. That he would, that we would know that he is pursuing us, that he is looking for us. And so I want to start in Ezekiel 34. I'm going to read the passage and share some thoughts about Ezekiel 34. And then we'll jump down to Luke 19 and talk about that passage for a few minutes. So let me read out of Ezekiel 34 verses 12 through 15. It says this, As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will, Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. Ezekiel here in this passage, in fact, the whole chapter of a thir- chapter 34 of Ezekiel addresses this idea of shepherding, which in the Old Testament, uh, shepherding was this picture of leadership. Th- if there's a word that we could really insert, insert for leadership in the Old Testament, it would be that of shepherding. And, and so shepherding is tied to the kings, it is tied to the priests, it is tied to 
those who, who led. Uh, Moses was a shepherd. Joshua was a shepherd. David was a shepherd, not just of sheep, but of people. And that their, their job was to care for those under their, the, the, that God had placed in their, their flock, rather. And the first part of Ezekiel 34 really is God pointing out the lousy job that the shepherds had done that they had not done a good job tending to the sheep and caring for the sheep and nurturing them and feeding them. In fact, they had done things that were abusive to the sheep and they had done things that were for their own personal gain and for their own personal profit. And, and so when we get to verse 12 here in, verse, in chapter 34, what God is saying is, hey, the places where you've dropped the ball, I'm gonna pick it up and I'm gonna care for my people. I'm gonna care for the flock. And so, it's a beautiful picture. It's an incredible picture that this metaphor of the shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep that goes to the ends of the earth to find the sheep that are lost. Now, I shared a message earlier this year on God being a shepherd and that God is our shepherd. And I drew some points out in the midst of that. And so I won't rehash all of that. You can go back and listen or listen to or watch that message. Um, couple, a couple of highlights is this, that, that sheep, uh, sheep are not uh, prone to, to being the most uh, astute animals. They're not the smartest animals. Uh, they, they move in a flock. They're kind of a, a herd mentality, and they all move together, and, and they don't find their way really well. They need a shepherd. They need someone to look after them, and and they just don't always make the best decisions for themselves. And the picture here in Ezekiel 34 is this, is that, that they were scattered in a day uh, of clouds and darkness, that there were storms in the nation of Israel that the, the shepherd and those who were familiar with sheep would understand that, that, that a storm, that that kind of weather would have caused the sheep to scatter, to run into different places and into places where they shouldn't have been to hide and to be afraid of thunder and lightning and, and, and the storms in that place in that region of the world that would have uh, kind of come through that area. And it would result in the, the, the flock being scattered. And as the sheep would kind of dr- drift further and further away, they, they just didn't have the ability to come back on their own. And, uh, and you know, for, for various reasons, they would, get, they would just get separated. And whether it was the storm or if there were predators pursuing them or they just get distracted. Sheep just get distracted and they would wander off and just do their own thing. And invariably, as one sheep would be wandering off, there would be another right behind it just following along and just blindlessly following the, the sheep in front of them. And they would end up stuck. They would end up in these crevices and in these thorn bushes. And in the midst of this, they would just get nervous and jumpy and helpless. And it's in this in this setting where, where God says, I want to be your shepherd. That the shepherd would go, as Jesus even says in the New Testament, that, the, that he would leave the 99 to go and find the one. Not that he doesn't care about the 99. In fact, we know this of God, that he sees everyone. He knows everyone. He knows everyone's name. He knows their circumstances. And so the, the, the pursuit of the one is not the neglect of the 99 because he's able to do both. But the heart here is really this, is that God's heart beats for those who are lost. 
that he wants to pursue and go after those who've been separated, those who are helpless. In fact, Jesus echoes the same sentiment in Matthew 9.36, where he sees the crowds and it says that he has compassion on them, that there's this deep ache inside of him for the people. Why? Because they are helpless and harassed, that they're afraid like sheep without a shepherd. And it's for this reason that Jesus came, to reach those who were helpless and harassed, those that were broken, those that were skittish, those who had lost their way. And I love this picture in Ezekiel 34. It says this, God says, I will, I will rescue, I will bring them out, I will bring them into, I will pasture them, I will tend them, I will heal them. This, this heart of God, when we ask the question, who is God? God is one that rescues. God is one that delivers and saves. God is the one who ushers into green pastures and by still waters, as the, the 23rd Psalm tells us. He, he says here in Ezekiel 34, I will pasture them. He's, he paints this picture of all of Israel, the mountains of Israel, these beautiful green lush hills. And he says, I will bring you into these places where you will be nourished, that you will be taken care of. I will tend them. The picture here of tending is, is protection. It is of healing. It is of, of safety, of watching over. And so this is the heart of God to seek out, restore, protect, nurture, and feed. I want to I want to jump now to Luke 19. So we have this, the, the, the picture of the heart of God as a shepherd, as the master shepherd, that, that the shepherds that existed under him, the, the kings and the priests and, and the leaders of Israel were really under shepherds and that Jesus, that God is the, the master shepherd, he is the great shepherd and, and we're, the, all of these other shepherds are under his authority. He's ultimately the one looking out for the sheep. We tie this now to a passage in Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus, this man who lived in Jericho, who has an encounter, a life-transforming encounter with Jesus. And I want to read this story, and then we'll look at a couple of thoughts out of this passage as well. So Luke 19, starting in verse 1, says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there was, a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. And since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, look Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to them, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So we have Jesus traveling through Jericho. And it's important to note that it starts out by saying that Jesus was 
in Jericho, but he was just passing through. That he was on his way from one place to another, and that Jericho was not the destination. That's super important to note, because we, we know now that Jesus doesn't end up just passing through Jericho. In fact, what, what I would say here is this, is that Jesus was okay with being disrupted for his plans to be interrupted to be able to engage with one man who needed to be saved. That he, would not, he was not beyond being inconvenienced for the sake of this one life that needed an encounter, a saving encounter in the presence of God. So here's Zacchaeus. He's not just a tax collector. He's the chief tax collector. He's the overseer of all of the tax collectors, which means that he's amassed for himself incredible wealth as he's collected the taxes that then get passed on to the Roman government. What the tax collectors would do is they would extort the people. It was really more like a mafia situation than it was just a government tax setup that they would extort the people for money, pass on to the Roman authorities what what was required, but keep for themselves a good portion of that. And so he built his wealth really on the backs of the people. So he was not well regarded. He was not well liked. Uh, He wouldn't have been popular. And of course, as we see later on, by the people, he's considered to be a sinner. On top of that, we're told that Zacchaeus is short. So even physically, he doesn't, he just doesn't, Pardon the pun, but he doesn't measure up. He he's just he's just not enough. This guy is 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 just got so many deficiencies and so many issues in his own life. And so when it comes to seeing Jesus, he he doesn't have the physical stature to be even able to see over the crowd. And so here he is, this man who has this position and this authority in the community. And in order to gl- get a glimpse of Jesus, he makes a decision. I'm going to go and climb up that tree just so I can see him. And so he climbs up the tree, and, and he, he's in this place. Now he's in this vantage point, which if you're on the street level, if someone's up on the tree, you're not going to see him unless you're looking for them. So he wants to see Jesus, but it's Jesus who sees him. Jesus sees Zacchaeus up in that tree. And he calls to him and he says, Zacchaeus, which of course he knows his name. God knows his name. God knows your name. He calls him and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Come down from that tree. And then he makes this incredible statement. I must, I must stay at your house. Now remember, Jesus is just passing through. He's on his way from one place to another. Luke is writing this account. Luke would have been there with him. Luke is saying, hey, listen, Jesus is going from one place to another. It wasn't his intent to stay. But Jesus communicates value to Zacchaeus by saying this. I don't have a choice. I have to stay at your house. Your house has been pre-selected. Your house is the one that has been chosen for me to stay. I must stay at your house. And even in that simple word, as he says it out loud for all of the people to hear, Jesus makes a statement about the value of Zacchaeus's life, even if Zacchaeus doesn't recognize it himself. And so it says that he welcomed him. Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus gladly. And the, the, the laws and the rules governing, governing hospitality in that time would have meant that as a guest would come into your house, you would welcome them gladly. But this is over the top. 
Zacchaeus, now the man he wanted to just get a glimpse of, is now coming to his house to stay. And so, of course, Jesus, with his whole entourage, would have come to the home. There would have been people there at the door who would have washed their feet because he was a wealthy man. He probably had one of the larger homes in that community. And Jesus now comes into his home. And as the custom would have been, that it would have washed his feet, offered him something to drink, given, giving him a place to s- sit. And almost immediately, the food would have started coming and they would have started receiving some, some kind of refreshments in that place. The crowd, though, the people began to mutter. They hear what Jesus says and they, and they see what happens as Jesus goes into this man's house and they began to mutter. And they say, well, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. How could he? If Jesus knew who this man was, he would not associate himself. He would not go and be with this man if he knew who he was. I wonder how often we mutter about the people in our lives, about the people around us that God is trying to reach that we harbor things in our own heart, that we think that we're better. Yet in this story, in fact, I would ask this question, who do you relate to? Who do you relate to in this story? See, for me, I have a hard time reading the story without relating to Zacchaeus because I see the shortcomings in my life. I see the broken places in my life. I see the the hurts and the the pains in my life. I, I even think about the way that other people see me. And so when we come to this story, it's really about seeing ourselves as Zacchaeus, the one who has probably done wrong to other people, yet there's this desperation to see Jesus. See, the people saw a sinner, But Jesus saw a son. The people saw an enemy, but Jesus saw someone that was lost. The people muttered, but Jesus engaged. Jesus engaged. So the people saw a sinner, Jesus saw a son. The people saw an enemy, but Jesus saw someone who was lost. The people muttered and talked and gossiped. But Jesus engaged and went into his house to spend time with him. Luke doesn't record for us what happened. He doesn't record for us the circumstances in that home. He doesn't record the conversation. Um, And I, I don't imagine that there was much outside of Jesus just being with Zacchaeus. There's no record of Jesus calling him out, saying, Zacchaeus, we need to have a chat about your lifestyle. There's no, there's no record of him confronting the sin in his life or shaming him or addressing those things head on. He just spent time with him. And what's the response of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, knowing the grumbling and the muttering of the people around but being in the presence of Jesus now stands up and he says, I, I, I'm going to give back. I'm going to restore what I've taken. I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. 
And if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to give back to them four times. And he says this in full view, in earshot of all of the people around. It didn't take Jesus confronting the sin. It just took Zacchaeus being in the presence of Jesus. Let me say that again. It wasn't about Jesus confronting the sin. It was just about Zacchaeus being in the presence of Jesus. And where the people saw a sinner, Jesus saw someone who was a son of Abraham. That's what he says. That this, this man too is a son of Abraham. That, that Jesus is saying that this man is entitled to the inheritance that any son or any descendant, descendant of Abraham would be entitled to. It's the same similar conversation rather to the conversation he has with the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. That there is an inheritance that is there for those who are the children of of God. And so Jesus sees the son. I wonder how often for you and for me, we just want a glimpse of Jesus. Yet we're like the sheep that are lost. We're the, like the sheep that are maybe holed up in, in our homes, in our jobs, in our distress, in, in, in emotional upheaval, maybe even in depression and confusion and fear. And all we want is a glimpse of Jesus. Because the reality is we are lost, we are helpless, we can be afraid, we, we can be accused by others, and so often we feel less than. And I'm not just talking about people who have yet to give their life to Jesus, I'm talking about all of us. And that the enemy, the accuser, and the, in this situation it was the crowd, but really it's the enemy of our souls would accuse us and say we don't measure up because of the sin in our lives, that we're, we fall short. And Jesus says, yes, you do, but Jesus makes up the gap. Jesus comes in and he says, I just want you to be with me. See, Jesus sees the lostness and the brokenness of our lives. He sees the places where we're confused and where we're hurting. And his goal is not just to confront. And he certainly, the Holy Spirit, will convict us of sin. But what is of more priority to God is this, that as the shepherd that he would reach out to us when we're skittish and afraid and helpless and harassed. And he just says, let, let me just be with you. I must come and be with you today. I must, I must be in your, in your home. I must be in your life. I must be around you. That Jesus sees you and he calls to you in the same way that he called to Zacchaeus. And it's in the presence of Jesus that we find that peace, that joy, that hope, that strength. So let me ask you today, where are you at? Where are you? For many of you, you would say, I'm, I'm good, I'm doing great. And that's wonderful, I celebrate that with you. But I know for so many today, you're hurting. For so many today, you feel alone and isolated and confused and lost and maybe even wondering where is God in the midst of everything going on in the world around me? Maybe for some of you, you're feeling guilty about what you're not doing or you've been shamed about the places where you're not measuring up, where you're not meeting expectations. Even your own expectations, the things that you would place on yourself. 
and it's caused you retreats into a place, into a ravine, into a crevice, into a, into a thistle, into a thorn bush that has you stuck and you're having a hard time getting out. I want you to know today that if, that's, if any of those things are you, describe the situation that you're in. And more than that, I want you to know this. Jesus sees you. Not only does he see you, he is relentlessly pursuing you today. And Jesus is calling to you. He doesn't just see you, that he is calling to you. And he doesn't just call to you. He wants to be with you and that he would say to you, I must come and be with you today. And that as he does, that he doesn't bring condemnation, that he doesn't bring shame. Church, listen to me. What he brings is his peace and his rest and his provision and his healing because he is the great shepherd and he wants to tend to the broken, lost places of your soul, of your life. So I started out today saying so often, we just jump to the what do I need to do? And I would submit to you today what we need to do is just stop. We need to stop. We need to slow down. Here's the thing about sheep. Sheep can't shepherd sheep. And sheep can't shepherd themselves. They have to trust. They have to surrender. They have to be humbled. And they have to let the shepherd do the work the shepherd needs to do. So the invitation is this. You might be looking for Jesus, but he's looking for you first. And that when he calls to you, that you would receive him gladly. That you would receive the invitation to stop, to slow down, to hear his voice. To, and to receive from him the care that he would speak to you today. Maybe you're hearing this message today and you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never responded to his call to be your Lord and Savior. That invitation that he's extending to say, I want to have this relationship with you. And if that's you today, I want to let you know, I have good news, that Jesus is calling to you right now and all you have to do is say yes. Yes, Lord. And if that's you, I want you to pray that prayer, this prayer with me right now a simple prayer that just is a response to Jesus. And I want you to pray it and mean it in the, from the bottom of your heart. Just pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for coming to rescue me and save me. I surrender my life to you and I ask you to be my Lord, my King, my Shepherd. I repent of my sin and I commit to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And now for all of us, I would say this. If this is resonating in your heart, maybe even you're feeling a little uncomfortable right now. Kind of like a skittish sheep going, I, I'm not so sure about this. I'm having a hard time that I want to pray for you and I want you to just, would you receive the peace and the comfort that would come from the great shepherd into your life today. The Bible tells us in John 10, Jesus tells us in John 10, that the enemy comes to strike the shepherd and to destroy the flock. That he wants to lead the, the, the sheep astray. 
But Jesus says that the good shepherd comes to lead his sheep and to lead them into abundant life. And that's what God has for you. You don't have to just survive. And that God will encounter you in a way that is shame-free, that is full of grace, that is full of his love. Would you receive that from him today as I pray for you? Maybe even assume a posture right now that would allow you just to to physically say, God, I, I receive that from you as I pray for you today. Jesus, I pray for every person, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every young person, every old person, Lord. I pray that we would receive from you today the peace and the rest and the comfort and the direction and the healing and the provision that comes from the great shepherd. I thank you, God, that you see us, that you not only see us, that you were relentlessly pursuing us. And I pray that in every living room, in every bedroom, in every car, in every place where the the sound of these words is, is being spoken right now, God, that you would meet your people that you would meet your sheep right now and that you would minister to them in the name of Jesus, our great shepherd. I pray, Lord, in a speak peace to every storm, to every situation, to every point of fear. Lord, I pray that there would be healing for every sickness, every disease, Lord, for every pain, every point of suffering right now. Lord, I speak against depression in the name of Jesus and I pray that Holy Spirit, that you would come now and that you would bring peace to unsettled hearts and minds. Thank you, Jesus, that you just want to be with us. Help us, Lord, to receive the peace of your presence in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you, if you need prayer, if you need someone to stand with you, uh, right now in, in the chat room, there's a place where you can click a button to say, I need prayer. We have people who would love to pray with you right now. You can send an email to us at prayer at thriveglendora.org and someone will respond to you and, and be happy to pray with you. We would love to stand with you in the midst of a season that you are not alone, that God sees you and we want to encounter, engage you and speak his life and his love into your life today. We love you. Again, it's so good for you, good to have you with us today. Uh, we pray blessings upon you uh, as you go throughout the rest of the day into this week. I want to encourage you once again, be praying about who you might be able to invite to join you for service next week. We look forward to seeing you then. Don't, don't forget to send in your photo of your kids as well. God bless you.